Jesus said that we're to pray to the Father to deliver us from the evil one. Today, we're learning that to become spiritual fighters, we need to practice prayer daily. This message is the ninth in the series, The Way to Pray. The message is entitled, Learn to Fight, Part Two. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. Grab your Bibles, we're in Matthew chapter six this morning as we're wrapping up a nine week series this summer talking about the way to pray. And I hope that you've enjoyed this series as much as I have. It's been a great blessing to get back into this portion of the Bible, looking at the Lord's Prayer together. You might ask, why have we taken this time to talk about the Lord's Prayer over the summer? And the reason is because all of us, I think, in the core of our hearts, in the passion of our lives, want to be better prayers. We want to know that when we pray, we're praying the right way. Because we want to make sure that we get our prayers answered. We're asking the right kinds of things, and we're seeing fruitfulness in our prayer life. And, of course, to do that, we have to understand what the Bible says to us about prayer. There was a man that followed Jesus when he was on earth, when Jesus was on earth, and one of his disciples, and he watched Jesus pray, and he saw the fruitfulness of Jesus' prayer life. And this man, this disciple, came to Christ one day and said, Jesus, would you, would you teach us to pray? We want to know how to pray your way. You seem to pray in a way that always gets the, get, will get the right answers from God. Would you help us to pray? And Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner. When you pray, pray like this, or this is how you are to pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus said when you pray, pray this way, and he gave us what we know to be the Lord's Prayer or a model prayer. While the Lord's Prayer is certainly vital and important to memorize, I think all of us should know it. It's a great thing for you to learn for your life, for you to even say during the day. There are often uh, times during a day that I will repeat all of the Lord's Prayer or some of the Lord's Prayer. It's probably not a day that goes by, at least a very rare day that goes by, that I will not at least pray some portion of the Lord's Prayer using the particular words that Jesus gave us. But that prayer is not simply meant to be something that we have memorized and that we spout off in 30, 35 seconds. It's meant to provide for us a model, a way to pray, a pathway of prayer, a pattern for our prayer life. That is, we start our prayer life realizing that we have a relationship with God as our Father. You cannot pray effectively until you know God as your Father. And Jesus is the way that introduces us to God as Father. And so prayer really is all about building your relationship with your heavenly father it's not about getting the stuff you want first and foremost prayer really is about building and establishing and continuing and staying in constant connection with the father who loves you then hallowed be your name that is God if I'm going to pray to you I need to understand something about you one of the ways that I know something about you is by knowing your names and so as you begin to get exposed to the names of God found throughout the Bible you realize that he is an awesome amazing God and you begin to realize the nature and the character of the one that you're praying to may your kingdom come that is Lord I don't want to be king of my life I want you to be king of my life I want your will to be done. Here's a blank sheet of paper, and I don't want to fill it out, God. I want you to tell me what you want for my life, and I'm asking that your will be fully established in me, and may you give today everything that we will need to do your will. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm just going to focus in on today. Lord, whatever is necessary to get your will done today, grant to me those resources. And Lord, forgive me my debts. Forgive us our debts. Lord, there's sin in my life, places where I've missed the mark, and I'm going to own up to that and confess that and ask for your forgiveness, and also 
also, Lord, as I'm asking for your forgiveness, I'm making a decision to forgive other people also, just like you forgive me. And then, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Just keep me away from those things that could trap my life and defeat me. Keep me out of temptation. Give me the power to say no when temptation comes my way. And then we come to the next part of the prayer. And notice what it says here in verse number 13. Lead us not into temptation. Here's the part we'll focus on today. But deliver us from the evil one. Would you say it with me? But deliver us from the evil one. Again, everyone together. But deliver us from the evil one. Jesus said that when you pray, pray that you will be delivered from the evil one. One main point I want you to understand from today's message. Prayer brings deliverance to your life. Prayer delivers you. But until you learn how to pray, you'll be missing some major deliverance points in your life. And I will define that word for you here in a moment. But prayer is critical to your deliverance. The word deliverance, as it's used here in the Greek language of the Bible, that we find uh, the word going back to the roots for our English word, deliver, is a word that literally means this, to draw out with force or to draw out with violence, to drag and to pull someone out of danger or calamity. It is to liberate. If you find someone that is in trouble and you're there to help them, you will do whatever necessary in that moment to reach down and grab them and pull them out of calamity, to pull them out of trouble, to be that person that helps deliver them from what might be risking their life and existence. And the Bible says to you and me, the Scripture teaches us, Jesus taught us, that we are to pray a prayer for deliverance. What that means is this. It means that all of us evidently need to be delivered. Jesus would have never said, pray, deliver us from evil, had there not been a condition that required us to pray that particular prayer. And the condition is, all of us at some level need to be delivered. There are places in your life and my life where we need Jesus to step in and pull us out of the muck and mire, to break the chains that are holding us back, to, to help us to find victory over those things that have held us back, to have breakthroughs in our lives. We need to be delivered. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, deliver us not just from evil, but deliver us from the evil one. And until you're willing to acknowledge your need to be delivered, you will never be delivered. I've never found a person finding help for a problem until they admitted they had a problem. That's the first step in finding any kind of help for your life or any kind of deliverance for your life is to come to the place of acknowledging I need this. And so Jesus laid this out for us and said, hey, it's something that everybody needs. That includes everyone here today. So for the next few moments, I want you to not think about what deliverance somebody else needs. I want you to think about the deliverance that you need in your life because you need it. We all do. One of the reasons that we need deliverance is because over time and through experiences that we have in life, we seed or we yield territory in our lives to the adversary of our soul, to the evil one. Even after coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life, we are delivered from sin in the sense that we, our sins are forgiven. We're given eternal life, which I'm so grateful that I've been delivered from hell to heaven, aren't you? I know where I'm going when I die. That's an issue that's been settled with my life. But nevertheless, throughout life, experiences and choices that we make, we can give up portions of our life, little portions or slices, if you will, of our heart to the adversary. 
And he has hooks in us where he can pull us in certain directions. He can, he can put us to the mat at times in our lives that will hold us back, diminish us, or destroy certain dimensions of us being able to be all that we could be for God. And you have places like that in your life, places where the enemy has a stronghold in your life, your life. Again, don't think about somebody else. Think about you. Where does the evil one have a stronghold in your life? Where have you perhaps ceded some territory, some ground to the adversary of your soul? And because of that, you're missing being all that God would perhaps want you to be. There are examples of this all throughout the Bible. Let me give you a few examples of it. Let's go back to the Old Testament for, for a moment and talk about the very first king of Israel. His name was Saul. And King Saul, when he started out following uh, God and serving God as the king of Israel, he was a good guy. He was a humble guy. But over a period of time, he became willfully disobedient to God, rebellious. And as David came on the scene, who would end up being the second king of Israel, Saul became very jealous of him. And, and what happened was, over a period of time, with his pride and his jealousy, and by the envy that was in his heart, he ceded a place. He gave place to the, e to, to the evil one inside of him. And by the time we get toward the latter end of Saul's life, I want you to see how the Scripture describes him in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 14. Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit. Circle that phrase there. An evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. There came a point in Saul's life he had given so much territory to the evil one, so much territory to his spiritual adversary, the devil, that the Lord said, I, I can't work with you any longer, Saul. And the Lord allowed, when the Scripture says an evil spirit from the Lord, it simply means that God allowed Saul to go the direction that Saul had already decided to go. And this evil spirit took over his life and ultimately destroyed him. In the ministry of Jesus, we see him reaching out to demonized people. In Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 is one of those stories. Speaking of Jesus and the disciples, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit. With Saul, it was an evil spirit. Here we find it described as an impure spirit. He came from the tombs to meet him. That's Jesus. This man, notice the consequences of this evil spirit in this man's life. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Him, night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. We don't know how this happened to this man's life, but over a period of time, he gave place to the evil one. Over a period of time, he opened up his life to the influence of a spiritual adversary. And then we see this picture of him in the Bible of a miserable life, a man whose life is being destroyed by Satan. Why? Because over time, he gave Satan a place within him. Let me take you to another story during Jesus' ministry. It's, it's recorded in Luke chapter 13, verses 10 and 11. The Bible talks about Jesus being in the synagogue on a Sabbath day here. Notice what happens. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. So this story I'm about to read to you, it happened in church. Everybody say, it happened in church. Say it with me. It happened in church, okay? So I want you to see this story happens in church. Jesus goes on the Sabbath day to the synagogue. So it's the setting of this event is a church service. And a woman was there. There where? So the woman was at 
church, okay? So we've got Jesus at church and the woman is at church, right? And she was there who had been crippled by a a spirit for 18 years. Now you've got a lady at church. She's at church because she has some interest in God, right? You don't go to church unless you have some interest in God, correct? She had some interest in God, some interest in knowing the ways of God, some interest in, interest in understanding how to live for God. And the Bible says there is Jesus in the church service, and sitting there as a part of that service was a lady who had an interest in the things of God, but she was still crippled. And her crippling was a crippling that had happened by a spirit. Again, we don't know how, but somewhere along the line, this lady had allowed something to happen in her life that had opened up the door for a crippling spirit. And the Bible says because of this, she was bent over and could not straighten up. Sad story. You see what happens to people who, again, cede or give territory to the adversary. Let me take you to another story in the book of Acts. It's the story of a man by the name of Simon the Sorcerer. Let me set the stage for you so you'll understand what's going on. Peter and the apostles were ministering to a group of people, and they were praying for these folks to receive the Holy Spirit. They were laying their hands as apostles on these, these believers in Christ, and the Holy Spirit was coming upon these folks in a very dramatic way. And there was a man watching who had some interest in the things of God, but he was not yet fully a believer yet. He's just trying to figure this out. And his name is Simon. He he made a living by being a sorcerer. So, of course, he's engaged in evil already, right? As a sorcerer, that's that's his lifestyle. But he's interested kind of in the things of God. So he's watching while the apostles are laying hands on these believers and they're being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the setting. Now notice verse 18, Acts chapter 8. When Simon, that's the sorcerer, saw that the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, was given at the laying on of the, the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Let's time out there just for a moment. So Simon the sorcerer was so impressed with this kind of power. He had been a sorcerer, but he'd never seen power like this before. He'd never seen this kind of power operating before. And so he says, I'd like to have that kind of power. Maybe I can buy it. Maybe there's a price here that if I'll pay enough money, they will give to me the power they seem to have in praying for people to receive the Holy Spirit. Now notice Peter's response. Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your, what's the next word there? Heart. Your heart is not right before God. There's something wrong inside of you, Simon. There's something in your spirit that is wrong. There's a part of your heart that Satan has a hold of. There's a corner of your heart, a part of your heart that hasn't been submitted to Christ. There's a place where there's a stronghold of evil built inside of you. Your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought where in your heart. For I see, now Peter zeroes in on the issue of the heart, for I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Peter says the reason your heart's not right and the reason that Satan has a grip on you, Simon, is that there's bitterness inside of you. And that bitter spirit is the very reason why you don't get the things of God as you need to get them. That bitter spirit is the reason why you have not progressed in your faith and understanding of Christ in the way that you need to. 
You see the confrontation with something inside a person, something holding a person back. The Apostle Paul warned us of this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He's talking to Christians here. He's talking to people just like you and me. He's saying, don't you give the devil a foothold. What that implies and teaches us is that if we're not careful, we can give the devil a foothold in our lives. Now, the question becomes, how, do we, how does this happen to us? How do we get to this place where we've given up some ground in our heart to the adversary? How do you get there? How does it happen to you and me? Let me talk to you about some of the ways that it happens. The, the, the primary way, the first way, and the most, most, most common way this happens is by a hurt that happens in your life that you don't deal with the right way. Everybody listening to me right now, I'm talking to you as your pastor, trying to help you. When you let a hurt get inside of you and you don't deal with it the right way, hurts don't just remain as hurts. They turn into poison on the inside of you. And any kind of offense inside of you gives an opportunity for Satan to get a foothold in your life. Anytime you get offended, you better say, warning, warning, warning. Because as soon as you get offended and you don't deal with the offense toward another person the right way, you have opened up a corner of your heart where Satan is able to step in and begin to do something in your life. He, he, he establishes a foothold there. He establishes a stronghold there. That's why it is extremely important to learn how to walk in forgiveness. Because until you learn to walk in forgiveness, you're going to constantly be opening your heart to places that where the enemy will have access to and can control your life. Let me explain it to you this way. Think about it. Think about the last time someone really hurt you, really hurt your feelings. And before maybe you got a grip on it, what happened to you most likely is this. Your mind started running, didn't it? When they hurt you, you started thinking, wow, that really hurt. I'm going to get them back. Maybe you weren't conscious about it, but you began to think about ways you could make them hurt. Or maybe you started thinking, well, that kind of stuff always happens to me, and you went down a pity party pathway. Or maybe you started feeling like, you know what, I'm, I must not be worth much of anything for people to treat me this way, which is a lack of confidence issue. There are all kinds of ways your mind begins to go down different tracks when you get hurt. And what the, what the enemy, Satan, loves in your life and my life is he loves to get us thinking the wrong way because the battlefield in your life, it starts in your mind. That's where he wants to get you. If he can get a grip in your mind, he, he just pulls you along in your behavior, right? And so you need to make very sure that when you get offended that you deal with it quickly. It, it's not worth it, folks, to get offended at people. It's not worth it to get bitter toward people. You know why? Because the only person you're really hurting is you. I heard it said, it said this way one time. When you get offended at someone, it's like eating rat poison yourself and hoping the rat dies. Okay? You're taking the poison into your own life and you're giving access to the adversary. Here's another way that you and I can give a place to the devil. It's when we willfully disobey God's word. When we know what God's Word says and we make a choice to say, you know what, I'm not going to live that way. I'm going to do it my way instead. I'm going to do what I want to do. I know what God says is right, but I'm going to do what's wrong anyway. When you willfully make a choice to disobey God, you're making a very significant and serious choice. Because in this world in which we live, there are really only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Okay? That's, that's just the way it is. The Bible teaches there are two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Nowhere in the Bible do you find the kingdom of gray. 
It's not there, okay? There's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. In fact, the definition of light is the absence of darkness. The definition of darkness is the absence of light. So when you choose to obey God, what kingdom are you living in? You're stepping over here and saying, I'm going to live in the kingdom of light. When you choose to disobey God's Word, willfully, rebelliously disobeying God's Word, what choice have you made? You've stepped out of the kingdom of light, and you've stepped into the kingdom of darkness. And who is the ruler of the kingdom of darkness? So you've now partnered up with the adversary of your soul. And so when you do that, you're actually giving a little, are you giving a little place to, to the enemy. You're saying, well, pastor, do you, do you go to hell when you sin as a Christian? No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that you get a little bit more hell inside of you. Okay? Hell gets a grip inside of your life. It can pull you around. And again, the purpose here is not how, 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 how little obedience do I have to do to get to heaven. Okay? It's how much can I serve God with the life He's given me, Right? I want to be everything that God wants me to be in this life. How about you? Amen? I don't want to just barely make it through into heaven. I want my life to count for the kingdom. So I don't want the enemy to have any kind of access to me. I'll show you another way that you and I can give access to the enemy. When we willfully expose ourselves to hellish influences. In your, in your body, there are gates that, that, that open up to your spirit and soul. Your primary gates are your eyes and your ears, okay? What you see and what you listen to. And if you purposefully open your eyes to things that are from the, the realm of darkness, from the forces of hell, and you allow that kind of garbage to come through the eye gate of your life, where does it end up? Where? In your heart and your spirit. Okay? That's why you, you need to be careful what you watch, okay? Not because of some legalistic rule that some pastor is trying to give you. I'm just simply saying, you've got to guard your heart with all diligence because out of your heart is going to come every part of your life. Proverbs 4, verse 23. And so your eyes are a gate to your soul, your heart. Your ears are a gate to your soul and to your heart. What you listen to gets inside of you. That's why you have to be careful for the kind of music you listen to and expose yourself to and the kind of stuff you allow to come into your life. You say, well, that stuff doesn't get inside of me. Yes, it does. I'll prove it to you. Go to a mall, walk around for a little, little bit, bit of time, and the music's playing. And watch, when you go to the car, you're singing a song you heard in the mall. Why? Because it got in you. It registered inside, okay? I'm not saying that the songs in the malls are bad. That's not what I'm saying. The point I'm making is I'm, I'm, the stuff gets inside of you. And where you have to make choices what you're going to expose yourself purposefully to. Let me say one more thing because it needs to be said in this area. I think that for, for some of us, maybe there's just one person here today that this will help. As a Christian, you don't need to be reading your horoscope, okay? You don't need to go to, the, to darkness to try to understand light for your life, okay? You don't need, oh, I just don't know what's going on in my life. Let me see what the horoscope says today, Okay? No, get your Bible out. Don't go to darkness. Go to light. If you need hope for your life, why go to a horoscope? The Bible is full of hope for your life. And when you open yourself up to stuff like that, you're inviting darkness in, okay? And so as a believer, you say, I'm going to shut off hellish influences and open myself to the influences of the kingdom of light. Amen? So, so why, what do you mean, Pastor? People have strongholds. How do they get there? Well, 
you, you get hurt and you don't deal with it the right way. You choose to willfully disobey God and you step over into darkness and you open up an avenue to the enemy. Or you begin to make choices about the kind of things you let into your life and it will open, up you, open, open you up to influences of darkness. So again, Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way, deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one. Let's go to the next thing I want you to see here with me and that's that when you pray this prayer, there's some specific things that, or some from very, very key things that you have to do as you pray it, all right? Write down some words with me, if you will, as we're wrapping up today's message. When you pray, deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one, to be effective in this prayer, it needs to be something that you pray specifically. You have to pray specifically about areas of enemy entrapment in your own life. See, what you're dealing with might be different than what I'm dealing with. And if you're going to overcome, you have to find out, where, where does the enemy have ground in me? And to be specific about it and to address the enemy specifically. Number two, you need to learn to pray authoritatively. We talked quite a bit about this last weekend. Learning to pray in the power of Jesus' name. Learning to pray in the power of Jesus' blood. See, when you and I go to prayer like this, we're not actually fighting a battle. We're actually standing in the victory that Jesus Christ has already won for us on the cross of Calvary. And we're enforcing a victory that Jesus has already established. Number three, you need to pray persistently. That is, when when you're dealing with a stronghold in your life, you have to be willing to go after it and to stay after it until the breakthrough comes. In the old days, the old saints used to say it this way, you've got to pray through till the breakthrough. You've got to pray through until the breakthrough comes. You've got to pray through until there is a shattering of those chains, a shattering of those realms of darkness. Let me give you a very profound statement about strongholds being broken in your life. Let me tell you something about a stronghold. A stronghold is strong. And it holds on. And so if you're going to go after it, you've got to realize this thing is strong and it's holding on. So I've got to be persistent in it. Number four, you have to discover God's truth concerning these areas. You might want to write down this phrase, pray attentively. That is, be aware of, of what, what weapons you need to use against these strongholds in your life. Think about it this way. What scriptures do I need to use against this adversary? I've given some ground away now. What do I need to do to attack that, that, that work of darkness in my life? What's the truth that will set me free? What passage from the Bible do I need to use against the adversary that will bring about liberation in my life? Let's give you an example. Say someone is struggling with a stronghold of guilt and condemnation in their life. They're just always troubled by some sin they committed. They can't seem to shake the guilt or the condemnation of that. Well, how do you break that stronghold? Well, when that thing shows up in your life, you, you go against it with the Word of God. And the Word of God says this, If I confess my sins, He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So you take the Word like a sledgehammer against that stone wall of condemnation and you use the Word. Or the, as the Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 6, you pull out the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and you use it against the adversary. See, these are not useless metaphors in the Bible. This is true. The Bible says you need a sword when you're fighting the enemy and your sword is the Word of God, you need to learn how to wield your sword and use it when you're in a battle. Amen? And so you, you pray attentively. What passage, what scripture do I need to apply to this situation in my life? And then to apply God's truth with diligence in these areas. That is to 
obey it, to do what the Bible says, to pray obediently, to say, okay, God, I'm going to live this out. If you tell me to forgive, I'm going to forgive. If you tell me to love, I'm going to love. Whatever you say to do, I'm going to do. I'm going to live in obedience to you. And then finally, the last point I'll make here in this section is to seek the prayer support that you need from other people. Sometimes the best way to fight a stronghold in your life is to get other people praying with you about it. Get some trusted people that are form a prayer team with you and be a prayer partner with you. The Bible says that one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. And so one of the great things we can do is bring other people into the battles of our life and let them fight the battles with us. Strength is found when we team up in prayer. I want to give you an example of this in the Bible. It's in Acts chapter 16. Let me set the stage for you so you understand what happens here. Paul, the great apostle and missionary, was going into a new part of the world to take the gospel. He's going into a territory called Macedonia. It was the first time, actually, that the gospel had gone into the European portion of the world. He has with him a partner by the name of Silas, and Silas is going to help him share the faith on this missionary journey. As they come into Macedonia, they head toward one of the key cities of Macedonia called Philippi. As they go to preach the gospel there in Philippi, they immediately begin to experience some resistance from Satan. You can read about this in Acts chapter 16. The resistance they encounter was in the form of a slave girl who was also a fortune teller that was employed by a, a man who used her to make money, and she would tell fortunes, and she, would, she was engaged in all this, this realm of darkness. And as Paul and Silas would begin to preach the gospel, this young lady would come around and create commotion around them. And so this happened day after day. And so Paul's trying to preach, and this lady's causing all kind of trouble while he's trying to preach. And one day, Paul just got fed up with it and just looked at this young lady and said, In the name of Jesus, you evil spirit, come out of her. And she was delivered. But her boss was not so happy about this because he'd made a lot of money from her. And so now he gets all upset about it and creates this massive commotion. And Paul and Silas end up in the Philippian prison. That's the backstory for how Paul and Silas end up in the Philippian prison. Now, let's go to them in the story, Acts chapter 16. They're in prison, and the devil has caused a commotion around them. Let's see how they handle the situation. Are you ready? Acts 16, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were complaining. Well, that's not what your Bible says? Okay. No, I'm sorry, that's what we do, right? Okay. About midnight, Paul and Silas were, circle the phrase there, they were praying, okay? They were praying. They were praying and singing hymns. I'm not going to talk today about the singing hymn, hymns part. I hope you'll be with us this fall because I'm extremely excited about a series of messages I'm going to do this fall called Fresh. We're going to talk about a fresh touch of God in your life. And I believe it's going to be, be, be an amazing time of renewal and refreshing for your life. It's going to be a time that God's going to touch your life in a fresh way. As a part of this fresh series, I'm going to talk about the freshness of worship. What does it mean to come to God in a freshness of worship? And how do you maintain a freshness of worship? And so we'll be talking about some of this element as we get into the fall. So that's just a little uh, uh, shameless advertisement for September and October. Hopefully you'll be a part of that. But I want you to see here is that Paul and Silas, what were they doing? They were, first, what were they doing? Praying. What were they praying? We don't have the record of their prayer, do we? 
The Bible didn't say they were praying and this is what they were praying. We don't know what they were praying, but I would submit to you that perhaps part of what they were praying as they're on their knees in that cell in Philippi, they perhaps were praying something like this, Lord, deliver us from the evil one. Lord, deliver us from evil. Lord, deliver us from the evil one. God, I'm calling on your name that you'll come down in the circumstance that we find ourselves in because the enemy has stirred up all this, 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 these accusations against us. Lord, would you invade this set of circumstances and bring us deliverance? Now you say, well, is that what they prayed, Pastor? I don't know, but I think it sounds like what I would have been praying had I been there. How about you? So they were praying, singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. At once all the prisons, prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. I want you to notice the delivering power of prayer. As they are praying, God, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. Lord, get us out of this situation so your gospel can go forth. Break the chains. Lord, open up the prison doors. Set us free. There in that moment, God says, that's the kind of prayer I want you to pray. That's the way I taught you to pray. That's the Jesus way to pray. And God comes down in power, shakes up the jail, sets all the captives free. All the chains come off, and everybody's door comes open. It's not just Paul and Silas' door that comes open everybody's door comes open as well listen to this I will tell you something when you pray through to a breakthrough you never know not only the chains that will come off in your life but the chains that will come off the lives of other people around you for some of you right now that your family is waiting on your chains to get broken. When your chains are broken, it'll be amazing what will happen to your wife or to your kids or what will happen to your husband or what will happen in your neighborhood. But it's got to start with somebody, and God wants it to start with you. So Paul and Silas prayed, and everybody experienced a delivering point in their life. Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Deliver us from evil and deliver us from the evil one. And then he said, finally, here's how you wrap it up. Say it with me. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Again, together. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Father, I just want to spend some time with you. This prayer thing is all about building my relationship with you, Father God. Thank you that I'm your child. and I've come just to honor your name. Your name is incredible, God. You're Jehovah Shalom. You're Jehovah Nisi. You're Jehovah Rapha. You're Jehovah Rofi. You're Jehovah, the Lord who is my banner, Shama. You're the God that is present with me. I worship you as Yahweh, the I am that I am. I honor and magnify and glorify your name, the name that is above every name. And now, Lord, I'm asking that your kingdom come. Would you be the king of my life, Jesus, today? And let your will be done. Here's my blank sheet of paper, Lord. I don't have any agenda. I I gave my life to you, and I mean that, Lord. Here's my life. There's a blank sheet of paper. You just fill it out today. What, What do you want me to do? And, God, I'm also praying that you'll give me the resources today that I need to do your will Every resource, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm just going to take my worries of today and give them to you, God, and release them. And you just provide everything this day that I need. And forgive me of my sins, Lord. I know that I've I've missed the mark with you, and I, I, I own up to that. I confess my sins to you and ask for your forgiveness. And, Lord, I'm going to forgive anybody that's done anything against me. I'm not going to hold it against them because you have forgiven me. I'm going to forgive them. 
And Lord, as I go into this day, would you help me to stay away from temptation? I don't want to fall prey to, to the traps of the evil one. I don't want to step into stuff that would mess my life up. Would you keep me away from temptation? And, and Lord, where there's some strongholds in my life. And Lord, here are my strongholds. I know I have an issue with anger. I know I have an issue with insecurity. I know I have this habit in my life that is robbing me of being all that you want me to be. I know, Lord, I have these problems and relationships that seem to come up time and time again. It's just a, a stronghold of the enemy in my life. Lord, I, I name my stronghold. It's this attitude that I have, God. I name it before you. And God, I'm asking that you will deliver me from the evil one. Set me free from this stuff in my life where I've given some ground to the enemy. And God, I'm going to pray through until the breakthrough comes. For yours is the kingdom and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. That is, God, I know something. As I'm wrapping up this prayer, I know that you're on your throne. I know that you can handle everything that I presented to you. That none of what I've given to you is bigger than anything you can handle. Because yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. You're on your throne, not just temporarily, but you rule and reign forever and the last word that Jesus gave us, what, what, what was the word? Amen. Everybody say it with me. Amen. amen. You know what amen means? Let it be. So be it. God, what I've prayed right now, I now have given to you. Let it be as I have prayed. So be it. I'm going to tell you something, folks. When you learn to pray the Jesus way, when you step up out of your prayer closet in the morning and head into your day, you can head into it with great confidence, knowing that you have prayed the way Jesus taught you to pray, and you can know that God, who is the one whose kingdom reigns forever, goes with you, and you walk into your day with a big amen. So be it in my life. May God help every one of us in new ways to learn to pray the Jesus way. Are you a candidate for that? Amen, I am. Let's pray together right now. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us this morning about praying your way. And Lord, we know that all of us have points that we need deliverance in our lives for. Lord, places where we're bound up, stuff that we've ceded to the adversary that we need to regain again, God, for your kingdom. And I pray that you'd make us aware of that and help us to learn how to pray our way through it to places of breakthrough and victory. We thank you for the example of Paul and Silas that when they prayed for deliverance, you brought it to them. And if you did it for them, you'll do it for us. And Lord, let that be the reality of our lives. Hi, I'm Pastor Dale O'Shields. I want to thank you for listening to our broadcast of Practical Living. I trust it was a blessing to you, and I trust that you're growing in your spiritual journey. Or perhaps you've never even started your spiritual journey, and today this is your opportunity to make a decision to move forward, getting to know Jesus Christ, letting Him have control of your life. See, the Bible says of Jesus that he stands at the door and knocks, and if anyone will hear his voice, you can open that door and let him in. And if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, today is the day that you need to do it. In fact, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. If you'll pray this prayer sincerely with all your heart, mean it with all your heart, Jesus Christ will come into your life. Repeat this prayer after me. Say these words. Say, Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, and I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong in my life. I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior of the world, that you died for me and rose again. Just simply tell Jesus, I believe in you. Now open up your heart and say, Jesus, come into my life. By faith, I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, in Jesus' name. 
Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, sincerely, I want you to know something. Jesus heard it, and He saved you. You're a new creation in Christ. You get a brand new start in your journey with God. But now you have to grow. You have to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus every day. And so we want to help you get started. And we have some resources available on our website that will do so called New Beginnings. So check them out. And again, I want to thank you for being a part of today's broadcast. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings.